May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We are, if you've looked ahead, going to sing two more stanzas of that hymn. We ended, maybe not quite, with the full good news yet proclaimed. This past Monday was Juneteenth. For those of you who are native Texans, you certainly know this better than the rest of us, what the day is all about. Though written months before, President Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st of 1863. The 13th Amendment was then debated and passed by the, by the U.S. Congress. But Confederate states had withdrawn from the Union as they saw it. Words and actions in Washington, D.C. did not matter or apply to them. The brutal war had finally ended. General Robert E. Lee surrendered on Palm Sunday of 1865. Weapons were laid down. Soldiers returned to their homes and families. But not everyone realized the impact of the end of this conflict. On June 19th, hence Juneteenth, over two months after the official surrender, a Union ship sailed into Galveston Bay. There, General Gordon Granger read an order. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Most were shocked. Blacks were jubilant at this reality. Slaves were set free. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts and attentive minds and ears to ponder the word of God in Romans chapter 5 and discover the good news for us about moving from slavery to slavery. People God dearly loves. Paul knew slavery. Long before there were slaves in the Americas, there were slaves across the Roman Empire. Historians estimate that at least 10%, but perhaps as many as 20% of the population of the empire were enslaved. In the first century AD, at the time when the Apostle Paul wrote, there were approximately 50 million people in the Roman Empire, which means there were 5 million or as many as 10 million men women, and children, slaves. Paul, as a Roman citizen, knew slavery as a reality, a horrible reality. But as a Christian, as a missionary, as a spirit-inspired writer of scripture, Paul also knew the horrible spiritual reality of slavery. He knew this, and so did the people of Rome who read this letter. And the sixth chapter of Romans taught them, as it still teaches us today, that the gospel takes us from slavery to slavery. Here is truth. Here is law. Apart from Christ, apart from his work, apart from his call in baptism, all are slaves, all are in slavery to sin. Apart from Christ, apart from his redemptive work, We belonged completely to sin. We were born as slaves. We lived as slaves. We would die as slaves. We were slaves 
and slaves have masters. And this master would never let us go. Sin would never grant us freedom. And we obeyed our master. We were obedient to the power of sin. Paul says in verse 19, this slavery to sin made us slaves to impurity and slaves to lawlessness, choosing our own rules, which resulted in leading us to greater lawlessness. Sin leads to death. It always leads to death. For the only wage a slave of sin can earn is death. But thanks be to God, Paul exclaims in verse 17, for you who were once slaves of sin have responded from the heart to a new teaching. For having been set free from sin, you have now become slaves of righteousness. This is good news. This is the very best news. All enslaved by sin are in Christ Jesus given a new master. And now we are enslaved to righteousness. For the release from the slavery of guilt and shame and condemnation has given us a new slavery, a blessed slavery. Now we are slaves to the righteousness of Christ. And this leads to sanctification, which is holiness in thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. In verse 20, Paul shows the contrast one more way. In our old slavery, we thought we were free regarding righteousness. He means this. We didn't care about holiness. We lived as though it was a burden. And we thought, we told ourselves, we lied to ourselves that this was freedom. In our new slavery, we are ashamed of how we lived because we realized that the fruit was rotten, putrid, nauseating. It was spiritual death, and spiritual death met by physical death becomes eternal death. But now you have been set free from sin, Paul continues in verse 22. You have become slaves of God, and the fruit we produce as the same apostle wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit, sweet and tasty, is a sign of true sanctification, for we are declared holy in Christ. The free gift is ours, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are freed from slavery. We are freed for slavery. For we are set free by the Savior who came not to be served but to serve, who was born and lived and died, who was then bound and whipped as a slave in our place. He gave his life and was given life back as the ransom for all, for us. Jesus paid the price of our freedom by his suffering and death. The chains are broken. The shackles are tossed aside. Yet just as the freedom of the slaves in the South wasn't certain until the, eternal, till the Union victory in the Civil War, so our freedom from enslavement is made certain 
by Jesus' victory through his cross and his open tomb. Now we are freed from slavery. We are freed for slavery. Slaves in the Roman Empire were often marked. Many were tattooed on their foreheads, especially branding those who had attempted to run away. But many others who had tried to escape slavery and were captured and returned to their owners were forced to wear a collar. It was metal. It was riveted around the neck. It could not be removed. It had the name of the master inscribed on it. Some of these collars had badges, small medallions attached to them. The proper name for this tag was the titulus, a title. It's the same word that John in his gospel in chapter 19 uses to denote the death sentence posted above Jesus' head when he was crucified at Golgotha. Archaeologists have found one badge which an enslaved person was forced to wear with this inscription, Hold me, lest I flee, and return me to my master Viventius on the, state, on the estate of Callistus. In our spiritual slavery, we were not forced to wear collars. We did not have badges hanging from our necks. We were not painfully and publicly tattooed. But... Romans 6 begins with baptism, and this sermon will end with baptism. For we are marked. We are marked at the font. We are marked with the Holy Cross both upon the forehead and over the heart to mark us as those redeemed by Christ the crucified. Though not visible, not to others, not to each of us, Our new owner's sign is on us. His name is given to us. Our identity is in Jesus and from Jesus. Our new master's saving claim will never be taken from us. We are set free from the deadly slavery of sin. We are set free to live in slavery for Christ, serving him with joyful obedience with unwavering worship, with cheerful service, and with faithful witness. For we are freed from slavery. We are freed for slavery. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.